0: read that again, Luke 16, verse 1, and he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted uh, his goods. Uh, we're looking this evening at this uh, parable of what's called the unjust uh, steward, and my subject is planning for eternity, but if you're familiar with this parable, uh, you may baffle you, as it has baffled a number of people when they read it, because it seems to suggest as if the Lord is condoning dishonesty. Here was a steward who went about changing the figures, changing the accounts, saying to his masters, debtors, uh, change the figures so that you owe less than what they really owed. And it seems to be Uh, Well, it is a dishonest act, but it seems as if the Lord is recommending uh, the actions of this steward. How could the Lord recommend such behavior? How could he commend such a thing to us in a parable people uh, wonder and ask? Well, friends, the answer is actually quite simple. The answer is he is not commending such dishonest behavior. God is against all kind of dishonesty and deceit and fraudulent activity. Dishonest, whether it's dishonesty in business or dishonesty in, in life or in the home, is something that He frowns upon, something that He will not condone. Then what is the Lord saying in this parable? Why did He tell this parable? Well, He's really making one point he's trying to get one major point across to his hearers, and that is to act like this steward acted, in the the sense that when he knew that he was going to be put on the streets, when he knew that his time was up, he did something about it. There was some forethought in his actions. The actions were wrong, but he came up with a plan to make sure that after he was put out, after he was dismissed from his job, he had uh, backing. He could go to, uh, to a place where he could live somewhat comfortably. He made preparations for that time. And that's the thought that we want to get a hold of uh, tonight, to make preparations for the future life. This is the message this parable is intending to convey to us. The wise thing to do is to make preparations for eternity, for the life that is to come. A foolish thing to do would be to do nothing, to leave that to the time when it happens, to live day to day. Well, this steward, because uh, he acted in this way, he is commended for his wisdom rather than for his actions. Dishonesty, as we said, and is seen in this plan, uh, the plan was, uh, dis, uh, was dishonest and it was uh, obviously wrong. But the forethought of the man, the forward thinking of the man, well, that's worthy to be imitated and to be uh, copied by us in forward planning while well, he acted wisely and shrewdly. So just, let's spend just a few minutes this evening thinking about this parable. Verse 1, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Now this rich man, he was probably somebody of quite a high rank. And he most likely had a number of estates rather than just the one. And each one of these estates, well, they needed managing. Most likely also, he lived at a distance from these estates. So he couldn't personally manage uh, his affairs He needed somebody to take charge, to take control of of these estates on his behalf. And so he employs uh, the steward to do the work for him. He gives him the responsibility of managing each one of his estates, the land that was attached to it. But he'd have to make sure that that was cultivated and produced crops so that the master could uh, gain some profit from them. The servants most likely were under his charge. He had to make sure they were fed. He had to make sure that they were paid. And then the goods, were that uh, the produce was, uh, was sold and profit gained and things bought uh, for the estate which were needed. All things were under his administration. So he was a very responsible position that was entrusted to him. And no doubt, no doubt when he went for that job interview, he came across as a man who could be trusted. And so he is given uh, this task to look after his master's estate and his goods. And he had to be conscientious in his role and not to be neglectful and to leave his work undone. But we read here that he did. At some point in time, it seems, he began maybe to take things easy and he proved himself a, a... a bad steward. We read that he, he was accused by some uh, that he had wasted uh, his goods. He had wasted his master's goods. He had misappropriated those goods. Maybe he had used them to gain a profit for himself. Maybe he had left tasks undone. Maybe he had been irresponsible in some way. Maybe he he'd neglected to cultivate the land and to make sure that his master was getting a profit. Maybe he had left the servants unpaid in in some instances. Either way, he was being negligent in his role and wasting uh, his master's uh, goods. Friends, that's a lesson for us immediately there. We, We could think of each one of us as a steward. Each one of us have been given things by God. Each one of us, you and I, have been entrusted with uh, things by the Lord, gifts from God, uh, possessions that belong really to Him, and He passes them on to us to manage, to handle for for a period of time, for our life's duration. Life itself is a gift from God. How are we handling it? He gives it to us so that we can use it to come to seek Him and to find Him, but uh, how are we using that gift? Our skills and our, our abilities are, are given to us by the Lord. The power maybe to think and to reason uh, things out. The power to communicate. All these, friends, are gifts from the Lord. Even our health that we receive, our, uh, the strength, our bodies, all these things are, are given to us as a gift from on high. Oh, how blessed we are. To have them, time is another thing. You have been entrusted with time. How are we managing uh, these uh, blessings and, and these uh, possessions that we have received? Are we guilty, friends, of misappropriating uh, these gifts just like this uh, steward? Are we guilty of using them maybe only for ourselves? We, have, we are given them to, uh, for a purpose. For, for God's glory, we are given these things. But so often what happens is we take them and we use them for ourselves. All these things are for me, nothing for God, and all for myself. So that life that He has given me, for Him, I use it for myself and my aim in life It's all personal. Everything revolves around number one. Everything revolves around me. I must be personally happy. I live for my personal fulfillment. I live for my personal goals. This is my life. This is the aim of my life. Anything which comes in the way of that, well, I can forget about that. What is most important to me is my own personal happiness or is it my strength? I use all my, misappropriate my strength, again, for my own kingdom, for my own interest to advance that, and for my own, maybe my own family. Everything, it seems, revolves around me. All my energy is put into my own basket, all the eggs in my basket. That's, that's where all my energy goes, to promote my kingdom. Friends, this is not what we are called to. This would be misappropriate, wasting what God has given to us. And then we think about time. Given to us, how how much time is given to us? Years are given to us. Decades are given to us. How many decades have passed by? How much time have I used of that for the Lord? And how much of it have I used uh, for myself? Oh, I'll spend... Time for, me, for myself. I have no time for God. Don't tell me about the Lord. Don't speak to me about God. I don't want to know about those things. No time for God, but He has given it to you. And He can take it away, we know, when He chooses. No time to thank Him. No time to use our language to appreciate Him. No time to seek Him and find Him. Every, too, mu- too much uh, time for ourselves. Our oh, friends, these things ought not to be, but this is how so often we end up wasting those goods that have been entrusted to us, even our bodies. Our bodies maybe for some people, their aim is uh, to look as beautiful as they can, to look as handsome as they can, so they must they're obsessed with their bodies, they must go to the gym every week, they must they watch very careful with their diets. It becomes almost an obsession with some people that they must be like that. That's squandering God's goods, friends. Is that me? Am I wasting uh, what God has entrusted uh, to me? What about the gospel itself? You know the gospel. You've heard the gospel's uh, sound. You've heard of Christ. You know that He has come into the world, that He is the Son of God. He's come into the world to save sinners. You don't want to receive these things. You don't want to believe in it. Well, to not take it to yourself, well, that would be a misappropriating of a wasting of those opportunities that God has given to you. In, this, in the previous chapter in Luke 15, where we re- re- read of another man who wasted things. That was the prodigal son. He'd taken his father's uh his lot. Of inheritance from his father, his portion, and he'd gone out as far away from his father as he could and he spent it in riotous living, in wine, women, and song. That's what he lived for. He wasted that, all his father's hard-earned money. But here uh, he did it very openly, that prodigal son. But here we read about this man also wasting goods, but he does it in a different kind of way. He does it uh, almost in an in, inconspicuous in way, in a hidden and secret way. The prodigal son was out in the open, uh, but this man secretly in, was doing uh, these things, wasting uh, his owner's uh, goods. And we may be like that. Some people openly can see their lives are profligate, or openly can see their living, uh, wasting their lives, but for other people it may be somewhat different. When we keep our lives for ourselves, and even though we may say we are, we're good people, we don't do this, we don't do that, if our life is only revolving around self, in a hidden way, we are also wasting, friends, what God has entrusted uh, to us. Well, word got back to the master uh, about this, unju- this steward and what he was doing. And so the master calls him in, and he's astonished to hear what he's been up to. How is it that I hear this of thee, he says. How could he uh, so mismanage uh, his estate? And without hesitation, he dismisses him. But before he leaves, well, he must give an account of his stewardship uh, to uh, his master. And again, friends, this is a, a lesson for us. God one day will call us to himself. Just like this man was called to give an account of his life, so also one day each one of us, God, will call us individually to himself through death. Death, friends, is the end of our time in this world. Death is the end of your period of stewardship. Death is the end of opportunity, opportunity to seek the Lord. Opportunity to be right with Him, death is the end uh, of these of these things. Death, friends, brings you face to face with your God, with your Maker, with the One who entrusted you with those blessings, with the One who entrusted you with life and thought and time. Death ushers you into His presence, and there you and I must give an account of ourselves before Him. Just like this man was. He couldn't escape it. He had to come. He had to give an account to his uh, his master. So, also death it will take us. We we cannot avoid it. We will have to go before our God and and explain to him and uh, say to him how we have ac- accounted our, uh, given account of ourselves, how we have used his gifts. Did we use it wisely? Or did we waste those gifts what did we do with that gospel he will ask what did we do with the news of his son did we receive that message did we receive that message which spoke of forgiveness and was sought to bless uh, bless us or did we reject it and put it far from us perhaps friends on that day god will call witnesses just like they were witnesses to this man's wastefulness Perhaps there will be witnesses who will be called in to testify against us and say, "He or she lived in such and such a way, and such and paid no attention." We can testify this is the kind of life that they lived. Not that God needs any such witness, but perhaps these things will happen. Friends, do we realize this? Have we taken these things on board that I am accountable to God for how I live my life? Oh, our Life in this world teaches us these things. If you are employed by somebody, you have to give an account. Every every year, I think, you have to have a review. How have you, how have you taught or how have you worked? Uh, how have you li- uh, uh, lived out, uh, not lived out, but how have you carried out your employment? Well, that uh, teaches us as well that one day at the end of life, I must stand before my Maker and give an account how I've, I have Conducted myself through life have i lived responsibly or irresponsibly well this this man he he panicked verse 3 he says within himself what shall i do what shall i do the game's up for me now i've been uh, found out i'm going to lose my job my income my home my comfortable home, all my creature comforts that I've been so used to in this role now are going to be taken away from me. And what shall I do? I'm going to be penniless. I'll be put out onto the streets. And he says, I cannot dig. I'm not used to manual labor to beg. Well, I'm ashamed and embarrassed to do that. Life is going to be miserable for me. I must do something. I'm going to lose all my comforts. What shall I do? Very quickly, a plan is formulated in his mind. And very quickly, you see how he puts that plan into action. And with a view to avoiding that life on the streets, he says to himself, this is what I'll do. This is the plan that I have. And this is the one that I'm going to implement uh, immediately. I'll reduce the debts of the, peop- the debts that pe- people owe to my master. This will be good for them. They will benefit, and then when I'm put out on the streets, I will go to them, and they will be obligated to help me, to receive me into their houses, and so my life in this world as a, the, in a, a, will continue in a comfortable way. I could live in their homes and live off their benefit because now I'm helping them out, as it were, financially. And so he calls one debtor after another, two instances are given to us, perhaps there were a number more. one man who owed a hundred measures of oil and he says, Change it to fifty and another person he calls who owes a hundred measures of wheat and he reduces the figure to eighty. and so he acted in this way. This was his plan, so that when he is put out, they will be favorable, they will be kind they are, uh, to to him. Well the master his master discovered his plan, discovered what he had done. And it's interesting that he, it's the master here who actually, verse 8, commends the unjust steward because he had done wisely. He himself, he's lost out financially, but he commends the steward for the wise action that he has done. He somewhat admires uh, the plan that he has put into place. Well, I think we, 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 uh, we see a lot of this in, in our world, isn't it, even today? We sometimes admire uh, bank robberies. We, don't, we know that it's immoral to do that, but you hear about some robberies or schemes that people come up with, and you have to say it's very clever. It's ingenious, some of the things that people come up with. I can tell you of, of one. I heard of a, a person in China, actually. This was a number of years ago. And uh, this, this person, uh, he, he was uh, uh, dressed up as a police officer on a motorcycle, and uh, he pulled up in front of a, an armored truck uh, carrying lots of money. He ordered the driver uh, to stop, and uh, he warned the men. He pointed uh, to uh, the base of the truck, and he said, there's smoke coming out uh, from your truck, and the truck at any moment is going to explode. So the, the people, they looked out, they saw the smoke billowing uh, from under the truck, and they, they opened their doors and they more or less ran for their life. And of course, this police officer was a thief who dressed up as a, a police officer, who uh, put a, a, a smoke bomb uh, under, under the car, and when the men got out, well, he very calmly got into the driver's seat and drove off with all the money. All 300 million UN of the money. 30 million uh, pounds. You know what? He was never caught. Oh, it's immoral what he's done. And, uh, but it's, it's a clever sort of scheme, isn't it? Very simple, you may think, but very uh, ingenious as well. And there are many like that. And all he did, that, that plan... No doubt because he wanted a better life. He wanted a better life in this world. And this is the point that comes through for a better life in the next world. We must be wise. We must have a plan. We must prepare for it. We must have a plan that we put into action. Death, friends, is drawing near. If you've lived this world only for yourself and only for the things of time, what will become of you on the day of judgment? You will be dismissed forever from the presence of God, dismissed forever from Him who is kind and good and loving, banished forever from all that is good, and stripped of all those good things that God has endowed you with and cast into hell. That's the the end for the person who has lived entirely for themselves. Friends, it pains us to say these things, but we must say them because this is what the Bible tells us. This is what the Bible warns us about. There is a hell to be avoided, but you cannot wait until the day of judgment to to make a plan. You must make a plan now. Today, while you have uh, time, while you have uh, the mind to think, while you have the opportunity to turn to Christ, to avoid that going to that place, to avoid being separated from the good and holy and kind God turn uh, to him uh, today. You will, you know, we can lose heaven. We can lose eternal happiness. Surely this man was just thinking about his earthly comforts and he wanted a better life in this world. But now we are thinking about eternal happiness and eternal comforts and avoiding eternal separation from God and eternal condemnation from God. Surely we want a better life in eternity. Surely this is our heart's desire, friends. Then we must think about these things. We must plan for these things. They won't happen just by chance. Let me ask you, what steps are you taking? If you know these things and surely you know that there is a heaven and there is a hell, then what do you say? Do you cry out like this man, what shall I do? What shall I do? What are you resolved to do, friends? Do you have a plan? Well, May I suggest one to you? This is a plan that you could take on board. This is, you could say to yourself, this is what I'll do to avoid such a hopeless existence in eternity. I'll think about my soul now. And I'm going to prioritize my soul and prioritize salvation above everything else. I'm going to make it the number one thing to seek God above even my work. I cannot allow myself to be so tired out by work that I'm going, I know I must work, but that's got to take a second place in my life. My soul is most important. My plan is from now on, I'm going to cry to God to be merciful to me, to, have, uh, to be gracious to me. My plan is to repent of my sin and my selfish living. Oh, I'm going to trust in Christ. I've heard that He died on the cross and that if I trust in Him and believe in Him, He will forgive all my sins. That's why He came. That's why He died. I'm going to do that. That's my plan from now on. This is what I'm resolved to do to take this Saviour whom, whom God has provided, the Lord Jesus, to take Him as my personal Saviour and to ask Him to save my soul and ready me for eternity and ready me for that world to come. I'm going to yield my life over to Him. Oh friends, if this is your plan, that's a wise plan to adopt. That's a wise way to, to live. This is the way to prepare for the world to come. This is a forward-thinking plan. This is thoughtful living. Or if we live only by the hour, that's rather foolish because we do not know what's going to happen. To be foresighted, to plan in advance, well, that is intelligent living. Well, friends, have you got a plan for life? Have you got a plan for eternity? Even in the world, isn't it? We see people who advance, people who accomplish things in life are those who have planned. Those who don't plan but just live moment by moment, well, they don't make a lot of progress compared to those who have a plan. Are we just drifting from day to day hoping that in the end all will be out well? We wouldn't live like that even in in the temporal things of life if I'm living in rented accommodation uh, and my landlord says to me, uh, in two months' time, you're out, I need the property back, then it would be foolish of me if I didn't do anything about it, if I didn't look for alternate accommodation and just waited and waited until the last day and then I'm out in the streets. And whose fault is that but my own? I made no preparation. Or if I'm going abroad for a holiday, well, I can't just turn up at the airport and expect everything to go well. I must make my preparations. I need to make sure these days if I've got my COVID pass, I need to make sure I've got my visa. Otherwise, when I go to the the check-in desk and I haven't got these documents, they say, sorry, you can't board the flight. Your holiday's gone because I never made the preparations that I should have done. Oh, friends... This is what we must do. We must prepare for eternity. And the best preparation you can make for eternity is now to come to Jesus Christ and trust in Him. Trust in Him with all your heart. Don't delay, friends. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Don't say when such and such an activity is done or such and such a problem is over in my life. Maybe even the problem is sent into your life to help you to realize the need for spiritual connection with God and spiritual priority. Look at this steward once again. He acted quickly. Once he knew he was going to be dismissed, once he knew that his situation was in trouble and was going to be removed from him, he acted very fast. Time was limited. And as soon as the plan formulated in his mind, he resolved immediately to carry it out. And he quickly he called in the debtors. You can sense it as we read it. He says even to one of them, sit down quickly and write such and such. And it, he acted promptly. He did it for a better earthly life. But we are doing it for eternal life. How much faster should we act? How earnest we should be about our souls to be saved. Act quickly, friends. Cry earnestly to the Lord for salvation This is an urgent matter. He is merciful. He is a gracious God. He won't keep you waiting a long time. You pray sincerely to him and you ask him to save you. He will hear your prayer. Come to him even uh, tonight. Have a plan, friends. Have a plan for eternity. Well, Let's pray uh, together. O Lord, our gracious God, we thank Thee that ever we may come to Thee and put our trust in Thy name. And we thank Thee, O Lord, for showing us the things that are important to us. And we pray that Thou give us wisdom even to uh, have a plan for eternity. Give us wisdom and and help, O Lord. Deliver us from those things that would so easily distract us from the one thing that is so necessary and blesses each one with thy salvation and with eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, sing our final hymn, which is number 395, Loosed from my God and far removed. 395.